Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm feeling like I have a massive ego. Uh, <laughs> well, you do, so that's, a, you know... <laughs> It's a genuine feeling. <laughs> genuine feeling. So today, of course, we are continuing in our our, our, um, our super ego ego uh, id series, and we're talking about the ego. And the ego is really interesting to talk about because uh, it seems the simplest of the of the three. It seems the one you know. We were talking about this before. It's it's probably of all Freudian concepts that have become like really mainstream and popular. It's probably the one that's like that the popular idea, the pop Freudian idea is pretty close to being correct. Right, which is um, really unusual, right? Like unconscious kind of misses the boat. Id, mm-hmm. we'll talk about next week, kind of next time, kind of misses the boat. Superego. Certainly. We talked yeah. about that quite at quite a lot of length. And and yeah, I think that I think that's a good claim by you that that it's probably the most correctly understood. Although we're going to try to tease out some ways the popular understanding isn't necessarily sure. right but um i think that's right i think it's right that yeah. is the of all the concepts it's the one that that people get the the average person on the street probably understands like oh that person has a big ego they're probably mm-hmm. saying something pretty close to what freud would 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 mean in that situation yeah it's interesting like the you know there's a good we do, uh we're again talking about this before we don't know who to credit this to this uh this observation I can't take it I'm not going to take it for myself but Strachey um has been criticized in some quarters for mystifying the the uh German into English with these three levels when it w- would probably be literally more appropriate to go with uh ego which is what in German Todd uh das ich so the i so it would probably the be I. better to translate it as the, the I. The I. And then superego would be over I. Right. And Uber then, ich, right? Right. And then uh, it would be it. Das S. Yeah. The das it. Das S. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting. So we're going to get to this. So we're not going uh, I think that this is, it's funny because it's probably true. Like it's right. it's it's, it's right. true that that Strachey like mystifies here, but he is almost anticipating Lacan, uh, because what Lacan's going to do is, is he will separate for Freud. It's, and, and we're going to start here. This is going to be my introduction to like, uh, as we, as we so often do, I have an opening statement. I kick it to you for a little more detail. Uh, for Freud, the, the, I, the, the or sorry for Freud, the ego is the I who speaks more or less. And this is going to be different from what Lacan does with it, but let's just stick with Freud for right now. The the ego is the is the the I who speaks, which is part of the, which is what supports the accusation that Strachey mystifies it by by using the word ego when he could have just said I. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right, and I think that 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 so the distinction between so the distinction between the speaking subject and the subject spoken of doesn't really, I mean, it is implicit in Freud, right? It's implicit mm-hmm. in the joke book. It's, it's certainly implicit, implicit in the parapraxis book, the psychopathology of everyday life. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's never really fully worked out. And I think, it, I think it, you're exactly right that for Freud, ego and I, there's not really, there clearly is some, like he clearly has a thought of, of the whole, that mm-hmm. is that, but I think for him, all the parts are disparate, and he does famously say, of course, that he his great contribution to 
thought was that the ego's not the master in its own house, right? So right, right. it's not like he wants to make the ego into the master. I think not at all. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think his vision of the psyche is a conflictual vision. And, and I don't think there isn't this one agency that he's willing to uh, put his chips on in a, in, in a way that Lacan might want to do. So I think that, that that's, that's an interesting distinction. And I, and I think it's right that Freud, you know, there's just the conflict between the three agencies and that, that conflict is the psyche. And the, mm-hmm. the ego for him is, is almost always overruled. And so mm-hmm. I think there is, you can understand why this offshoot of Freud ego psychology developed through his daughter, through Anna Freud, through Heinz Hartmann in America. So Anna Freud wrote uh, Ego and Mechanisms of Defense. Heinz Hartmann wrote Ego Psychology and the Problem of Adaptation. And both those books are basically attempts to develop this idea that you could say, I think, is implicit in Freud that Mm -hmm. we want to give the ego an opportunity to better deal with the f- different forces that are acting on it from id, from superego, and from the external world. So to, that psychoanalysis might be seen as an ego empowering. And mm-hmm. if, for Freud, there's no difference between subject and ego, at least unless you unpack it, then it would be subject empowering, right? Like empower mm-hmm. the subject. And, and what's interesting is even Heinz Hartmann in the book, it's, it's, it's subtitled the problem of, or titled the problem of ad- adaptation. But even for him, adaptation doesn't mean just capitulating to the external world. It can mean being able to change it. So there is some kind of notion of agency within this ego-driven form of psychoanalysis. Yeah, it's interesting. And it does go back to that line that you quoted from uh, A Problem in the Path of Psychoanalysis, which is where Freud lays out the uh, the, th- the three psychic blows to, right. to humankind, which right. is uh, struck by uh, Copernicus, who uh, showed the humankind that the, the Earth is not the center of the universe. And then Darwin, which is that like our, you know, we're not God's children, we're not uh, it, we we we're not placed at the the center of the the food chain by divine right. It's you know Freud doesn't say it this way, but like you know it's kind of a series of accidents, right? Uh, and 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 then Freud, of course, he puts himself in this line that showing that like so we're not the center of the universe, we're not intentionally the center of our own world, and the I who speaks is not even master in its own house. You're not right. you're not even you're not you you. You who who are speaking and thinking, you're not even at the at the center of yourself, and and so it's it's a, a I mean provocative uh, claim by him, if not egotistical in the common sense, in the common sense, uh, right? In the common sense, but it's um it gets at it gets at exactly this uh this thing. So he now I think this is kind of crucial. I don't think he doesn't say that the ego is a problem to solve, and but no. that becomes the raison d'etre of ego psychology and 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 i think that that uh that's a and and i think that this idea of the ego is a problem to solve i think that's a popular notion as well that i don't think it's fair to say is, is in freud i think that's right i think it's right i think that he uh he 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 cl- like if you had to i think if you pushed him up against the wall and made him decide 
what would he say is the, like he I don't think he would say I want to give all the agency over to the ego, right? Like I don't think yeah. that would be yeah. his position. I think his position would be something like we've got to find a way for the drive whatever the drive is that's associated with it to articulate itself, to manifest mm-hmm. itself, right? And so and he thinks in a way he just he really I, I think for Freud it's he's really coming up against certain fundamental structural antagonisms that he thinks there just is no solution for. Like, mm-hmm. just like you said, I don't think he thinks it's a problem. Remember his fa- that famous line at the end of Civilization's Discontents where he says, I can't come before my fellow human beings as a prophet, right? Like, yeah. I think he doesn't see, like, there's no, there's no solution to the problem of the ego. There's no solution to yeah. the problem of this mm-hmm. struggle within the psyche. He's just laying it out there and saying, Look, you can go to psychoanalysis and find a way to 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 make the problem bearable, right? But it's mm-hmm. not a, it's not mm-hmm. a problem to be solved. And I think you're right. Like there's a whole strand of psychoanalysis where the emphasis is not so much on the conflict, but upon giving some kind of mastery to that agent, which is the ego, mm-hmm. and then that then you lose that conflictual, that the necessary for Freud, conflictual sense of the psyche, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's, this is, I mean, I think I'm going to put this in, phrase this in a way that um, you and I talk uh, uh, off air uh, or frame things up for, I don't know how often we've done this on the show, but like, it's really, uh, well, no, sometimes it's, it's like, it's almost like um, Anna Freud and Hartman seized on a, like a moral imperative like like where like where Freud lands with uh with right. drive right. and ego in civilization's discontent uh like it it puts a a a, a yeah I'll just say it again it, it it puts a moral imperative to like well that can't be the answer the drive can't be this like this imminent like self-destructive uh self-undermining uh, thing that that there's like that we're subjected to and have to take up a position to, there has to be something else. There has to be a next step. And then, you know, you can see where this also leads into discussions of the end of analysis. How do you know when it's over? Like, like, well, there's gotta be like a trajectory. There has to be some sort of, uh, perfection that can take place. And how do we, how do we, you know, what do we work toward? How do we get there? And it takes place all, all around the, the ego. So I think that, um, I don't know. Maybe what would you say? Like a like, like a post war attitude of like a of a of a, like a like a moral imperative of, of being able to like if we work if we do X and Y for um for the psyche and like we can we can get away from this self undermining thing like we like because what ego psychology does not agree with is the notion of the 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 undermining drive as being imminent. Like that's right. Just that's nothing, right. That's right. Nothing you can do about it. Like it's that's just, right. That's a fact. Yeah. It's just a, it's a it's like a stubborn fact, right? And I I yeah. think I think that's right. So this is the last page of Anna Freud's book. She says the ego is victorious when its defensive measures affect their purpose. That is when they enable it to restrict the development of anxiety and unpleasure, and so to transform the instincts that even in difficult circumstances some measure of gratification is secured thereby establishing the most harmonious relations possible between the id, the superego, and the forces of the outside world. So, yeah, I think there's an absolute moral imperative. It's interesting. So that's from the 30s, so it's pre-war. Okay. okay. Uh, and it's Freud was alive. Post-World post, post World War I. Post-World War I, yes, right. Still, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, 
Frodo's alive, so mm-hmm. she's you know he didn't come down and I mean no one condemns a book by their daughter I don't think or their <laughs> son sure. right but uh, unless Hitler's mother was alive maybe she would have condemned Mein Kampf but um but yes. I, I, I perhaps maybe not maybe she would have still not. been one proud would, I'm a proud hope, mother one, one might be disappointed yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a hard one <laughs> I mean. You, uh, I but, prefer but, to think maybe maybe her response would be I prefer to think of him as an artist right anyway, right continue. or a, yeah like yeah. a fledgling <laughs> artist not a not a, yeah. a, a political not tract a, writer right yeah it's a but, genocide but, <laughs> yeah yeah all that but I think like what she's saying there you're right is moralizing but it's also this like we can over exactly what you're saying earlier like we can overcome yeah this troublemaking of the drive mm-hmm. and the problem of the outside world it's almost like Anna Freud didn't read Civilization as Discontents, right? Like, <laughs> like it's 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 a it's a pure, and again, I think this that that book and and the Hartman book are better than it, like you go into them if you're at least from our perspective, Freudian, Lacanian, psychoanalytic mm-hmm. perspective, you go into them thinking this is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be like let's make the ego more powerful than everything and let's conform, right? Let's conform mm-hmm. to the outside. Let's make the ego fit the outside world and the demands. It's not that. So and it, so there is a kind of sense of giving the subject some kind of agency, but what is the agency? Mm-hmm. The agency is yeah. the agency of the ego, and the problem with that is how does the ego develop? It's not, it, it's not, and I think this is where Freud didn't have the space to say it. It's not the subject. It's not the I, right? And I think that's why mm-hmm. we that the agency that they're going to want to attribute to the ego ends up it, it's it ends up being. Unfortunately, the agency of the external world, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. So you're so any development of the ego is actually developing the power of the external world over the subject, not developing the subject as autonomous. So if we still think freedom mm-hmm. and autonomy are a goal of existence, then I think enhancing, securing, developing the ego is at counter purposes to that that goal. I think. No, I think I think I agree with that. I I think that's um, it's so interesting how that's not um, like that is that that seems just like uh, the the phrase that you like that, that's heterodox, right? That's right. that's against right. That's against. I mean, because the op the opposite, the thing that is doxa, it inheres like such a like a program, like a like a project, right? Like like yeah. you know, you identify these things are like. And and this I, I think I, I, I want to use to um to make the the change to or, or you know shift the our, our discourse toward toward Lacan, which is really interesting because you you can see and he we've talked about we spent entire podcasts on seminar one and two where he gets into this so our uh, our comments are going to uh, assume the argument there rather than like I, I, I guess like uh, lay it out but what happens with with Anna Freud and what happens in Hartman what happens in ego psychology is that like the barriers, the resistances in analysis are there to be broken down. Right. And that, it, again, it seems like such a, like, yes, that's a project. What, right, it just makes the, total sense, right? You read make, it, you're like, of course, you're, you're, of course, break down the resistances of the ego. That Why wouldn't yeah. that be what analysis does? Yes. Yeah, yeah. of course. We, we, then, then I have lesser resistance and th- then we move, and like Lacan comes at this from, the other uh, perspective, which is just like, look, if what you end up doing in analysis is you give the you give the subject 
a way to uh, diffuse the barrier. And, and, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll use that word again, like defuse a resistance. Then you've actually just granted them a resistance to their resistance. Right. You haven't done any uh, analytical work. You've actually not done anything at all in, 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 in interpreting or making manifest the, the psyche. Like you're, 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 you're at counter purposes. You're, you're having someone in like, uh, yeah, maybe this would be all these words in exactly the Lacanian way. You're having someone like enjoy the fantasy of being master in their own house. You're actually not uh, interpreting or or diagnosing the psyche or, 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 or moving someone uh, forward in, in a, a, a meaningful therapeutic sense of, of, of making them see themselves like this would be, this would be, I, I think Lacan's position, certainly the early Lacan is that like, you know, you, you have to subject the subject to themselves right. and the, the ego psychology method is a, a, a method of avoidance. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I think that the, 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 the analyst in this sense is all for the, the, that, that wants to help take down defenses of the ego is always speaking to the ego, right? And yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. the Lacanian analyst is always speaking to the the speaking subject and the and mm-hmm. and trying to avoid evoking the ego because you know mm-hmm. it's interesting because I do think that the ego is dependent. I, I love that line from Lacan that the imaginary is always hooked on the symbolic, right? Like it, the mm-hmm. ego, even though it seems like it's a rejection of the external authority, actually is the it, it is capitulation because it re- it relies on that external authority for the adulation that then builds it up, right? And I think I think the problem with any kind of psychoanalysis, it's hard to even call it that, that speaks mm-hmm. to the ego is that it's building, it's 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 taking the authority of the analyst mm-hmm. and using that to build up the ego and, and to help it fight off these defenses, and then and then it's 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 further subjugating. The subject under this these external forces. In this case, it's the external force of the analyst herself, right? So I think that that's yeah, yeah. to me that's the real blind spot of that way of of proceeding. It's interesting that Freud himself was not totally opposed to it. Again, it, it's coming from his daughter, so that has part of it. But mm. there, there are other people involved that he could have been more vociferous in attacking, and he he doesn't. I, I so. think, no, I think you're I think you're right, but I also think that. And I don't know when uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the year. You'll you'll know better than I on, on this one. But like, uh, when does he write Wild Psychoanalysis? Yeah, that's later. I, I, I yeah. When is that? I don't I don't know. I I gonna have to. Yeah, no, it's okay. It it's not yeah. it's not worth looking up. But in that, it's it's a short essay. But it, it, he does. Um, well, I think actually, probably to, in to twenty twenty one eyes, it reads more like um, admonishing someone using the diagnostic manual to assess uh someone to quote treat someone like the like the dsm-5 like yeah, that like that's yeah, kind of, yeah, that's yeah. sort of you know this, this is what he's doing is like he he's saying like look like like yes I've, I've written these books and i've laid these things out but i mean this is not a handbook like you're not checking off boxes for yeah. like what symptoms does someone have and then you just then you just give them the treatment and that's it like i mean there, there's like a real role of 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 listening and like i mean it's one of those things too it's like like a real i mean like lacan will pick despite the things that we say about lacan as a person and like a public figure like i mean he was very much on the side of the uh, almost the humility of the analyst like yeah you don't 
Yeah. You don't know anything a priori about the person that's going to come to talk to you. Right, right. You need to get them, you need to get them to speak. It's almost like Lacan, so it's 1910 is the essay, so it's, it's earlier. Okay. It's before the development earlier. of ego psychology. But you're right that it does, in a kind of avant la lettre, it kind of speaks to it, right? Like it, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. already taking into account this error. But I think you're really right that there is a kind of, it's funny, Lacan's humility as an analyst is matched by his arrogance as a person, right? Like he, Yes. <laughs> I think that's, a, it's an interesting claim. I think it's interesting that you could say that maybe it was precisely his arrogance as a person that allowed him to humiliate himself as an analyst in a way that other analysts who weren't so cocksure, that they weren't able to do that as analysts. So I think there, I think there certainly is something to that, like that, that you you know, that, that it's actually, you need to have a certain degree of arrogance so you can go in there and just humiliate yourself before the analysand. And I think that's what the, you know, that's because the only subject who knows is the, is the subject who's speaking, not the, even though it ha- you have to assume that the analyst is the subject yes. supposed to know, but, but just supposed, right? Like the, mm-hmm. just as you said, the, that the analyst doesn't know. And I think that's really, really important. And, and, and I think that the, that Anna Freud, Heinz Hartmann model, you're always, you're, the analyst knows and is mm-hmm. speaking to another figure, the ego of the patient who knows, and, and, or you can help them come into knowledge. And I think in a way for Freud and, and then all, of course for Lacan, the point of psychoanalysis is, to, is, is the point at which truth cuts through knowledge, right? So yeah. I, think that that, I think that there's not a sufficient sense of the, often or always maybe antagonistic relationship between truth and knowledge in the attempt to build up the ego. Like you don't see, if you're invested in that project, you don't see the way in which truth comes at the expense of knowledge. It cuts into what we know. It cuts into also into our ego, right? Like yeah. the, your, the truth of your subjectivity is never the truth that makes you feel good, right? Feel that good. builds up your ego. Yeah. Right, exactly, right? That's why whenever you get comments, at least this is how I am. I get comments from someone on something I've written. They start mm-hmm. with some obligatory bullshit praise. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, the preamble, I, get fine. to the good stuff. Yeah, get, get to, the, to the, real, the good Get to the real yeah. point. And I think yeah. because we all know that. We, we all know mm-hmm. that, like, if you sit and listen to that, then you're not, you're, you're taking some kind of knowledge at the expense of truth. Because, and, and that knowledge is speaking to your ego. So I think that that's something missed by that whole movement within psychoanalysis that Freud gets because he wrote the wild psychoanalysis essay and that, that Lacan really takes up. Can, uh, can we talk about somebody else who, uh, who gets this? Yeah. Let's talk about somebody else. We're going to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes. When you first said you wanted to talk about him, I thought you were talking about (laughs) Giannis Stavrakakis, but, but yes. uh, uh, Who who also has great things to say. He does. He does. But, um, part of the, but he's not as good a basketball player as certainly (laughs) I haven't seen his low post game. So I'm going to just defer to, uh, to what the, uh, Milwaukee Bucks player, uh, has to, has to do. Uh, I, I so, want to say one last thing about Giannis Stavrakakis. Okay, his, he's, yeah, yeah. his spouse is named Dora. So okay. he's like oh, the wow. perfect psychoanalytic thinker for that reason. That's She's phenomenal. great too, but yeah, he's, he's oh. married to Dora. So and he told me he married her just because her name was Dora, like no other consideration <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> So, I mean, he, what I'm interested in is, is he like a three and D guy or? He, he is. He's, he's, he okay. relies on the jump shot, cannot penetrate like Antetokounmpo can. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, 
Speak so um, in the NBA Finals this past this past year, there was a this. I mean, and we, we forgive anyone for not paying attention to uh, things. A a and a basketball player who you may not have heard of uh, had to say during the NBA Finals, but they came back from a deficit in the series uh, to um, I mean to eventually to go on to win. And a journalist asked like uh, Giannis to explain like you know what what taught you the like like the grit to come back from you know s- such a deficit like what and and so he said he had this to say uh, I'll say life usually when from my experience when I think about oh yeah I did this I'm so great I had 30 points I had 25 10 10 or whatever the case may be because you're going to think about that as oh we won this and that usually the next day you're going to suck as simple as that like the next few days you're going to be terrible I figured a mindset to have when you focus on the past, that's your ego. I did this. We were able to beat this team 4-0. I did this in the past. I won in the past. And when I focus on the future, it's my pride. Like, yeah, next game, game five, I do this, this, and this. I'm going to dominate. That's your pride talking. It doesn't happen. You're right here. I kind of try to focus in the moment, in the present. That's humility. That's being humble. That's setting no expectations, going out there, enjoying the game, competing at a high level. I think I've had people throughout my life that's helped me with that, but that's a skill that I've tried to, to like perfect it. And it's been working so far, so I'm not going to stop. Uh, and also a shout out to uh, Joe Reynoso, who works with uh, NBA players. He does. Um, that's true. Hey, hey, hey yeah. Joe. So um, th- I think that, uh, so Giannis was la- like lauded for this. Like, all, like, like this, like, wow, this guy gets it. What a different kind of player. There's, you know, uh, like, like he, he's so different. And I mean, Giannis has like a, an incredible story uh, f- from like being a person without a, like a country. Really. Without a country, uh, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Now it's funny, and, Greece claims him totally now. <laughs> yeah. <of laughs> they didn't want him well, when he was a, a guy, the kid on the streets, but yeah. But of course they, w- they would want him now. And so yeah. like, um, and so this is like, so here, and, and I think that this is, uh, and again, th- like we're trying to have this like this little, uh, this, this, this minimal but very important difference is that like ego is bad. I mean, I think that that's, 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 he's saying more than this, but what he's saying is that like to get wrapped up in this, in, in, in this, uh, this ego, uh, this, his past, as he says it, this notion of himself that is like great, like that is enlarged. Um, that's a bad thing. And so that actually, like, I I think that puts him at odds with, uh, um, ego psychology, which is not the, like, it's not the death of the ego. It, It isn't the idea there. It's the, like, it's this like harmonious, relation right. and and Giannis in that quote like he puts ego at odds with like a harmonious relationship to like a basketball game on the court and I th- and, and that that I, that I think it, that's that's pretty interesting because again Freud's Freud's whole thing here is and and this is what Lacan is going to pick up is that like the um the ego not a problem to be solved but it, it designates a, uh, a a spot of uh, a spot of bother a, of, of psychical conflict that right. like that and that conflict and this is what Lacan will will try to draw out it's like that conflict always speaks right and you don't you, you, yeah you you want to get it to you I, for Lacan I, I think just to put it in a sentence then I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you jump in like you want it you want it to signify differently that's what right. and that's what I think Lacan brings to the table that's right and I I think the I think we can say that Antetokounmpo had read a couple of seminars at least before he <laughs> he said that right like i i mean it's a pretty 
He, I guess that, right. right. He, he would have uh, to. Yeah. Uh, but, but what's so great about that statement, I think, is that he already has moved beyond Freud, right? Because he distinguishes, I think, the speaking subject who's speaking now yeah. from the ego that's already always lodged in the past. And I think he's already made this understanding of the way in which the split subject works. And that's the, it's the, precisely the unconscious subject— Mm-hmm. as it's speaking or playing mm-hmm. that is that's that's what you have to put your trust in right like i think it's a really i think it's a pretty perspicacious analysis of the relation between subjectivity and ego that's why i said he read lacan and not you know he already kind of gotten beyond freud because yeah. there there already is this sense of the way ego is a restriction and it's interesting that he th- links it to the past to me like he he links it yeah. to what you've done and you're invested in emphasizing the things that you've done rather than what you are in the process of doing, right? So I think it's, it's also a nice existential... I mean, that's another thing, right? Like the relation between existentialism and mm. this against ego psychology. I mean, I almost am tempted to say it's Sartre who frees Lacan from this this tendency oh, nice. within within psychoanalysis toward ego psychology because... It's. I mean, I, I think the commonsensical thing is to say that it's no, it's Levi Strauss and and Ferdinand mm-hmm. de Saussure, right? That right, that right. he it's sees structuralism. it's structuralism because he doesn't see a two person or two body situation between the analyst and the analysand or the self and the other. Instead, he sees the third party, right? He gets and it's all because of structuralism that he sees the symbolic mediation at stake, and thus he can. That's the thing that allows us to move from ego to to subjectivity. Uh, but I think in a way, I, I want to talk about that in a minute, but I think in a mm. way it's the Sartrean, because it's so much, so indebted to Sartre, I think, in ways that no one ever talks about enough, although there is this book on Lacan and Sartre by um, Clotilde de la Guille in, mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in French, but it's never been translated. I tried to get oh. her to come to the I was teaching a class on Sartre and all the students had already had some Lacan. And so I thought she'd be the perfect guest. And I had her all, I had it all set up and he even got, I, I did it through our friend Juan Pablo Lucelli. And I, I even got mm. it cleared through Malaire because he, she's, wow. she was Malarian and you had to get, you know, everything had to go through the, the master, but then she bagged out at the last minute. So, oh, so, so it man. was, yeah, it was, it was too bad. So it would have been great. I could have would have had this, this whole discussion, but I, I mean, what's, What's fascinating is that what does Sartre bring? He brings that it's through our act that we mm. constitute ourselves. And the in it, like what we think of ourselves, that's what he calls the in itself. It's this inert part of us, right? And it's uh-huh. only the activity of our subjectivity, the for itself, is this negation, this nihilating process that's constantly ongoing, right? And so there almost is there in Sartre's contrast between the for itself and the in itself that belongs to the subject, there is almost the contrast between subjectivity and ego in the way that Lacan will come to understand it. So I don't know. I think that's just kind of interesting that maybe it's 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 Sartre that gives Lacan the push out of out of ego psychology, although that's probably wrong because he was so being a nothingness is forty three, and he's already kind mm. of moving he's in that direction. That. Yeah, before like he's already critical of ego psychology before, so that's probably just wrong. Mm. But it, it is an interesting kind of coincidence that well, 
Yeah, go ahead. I mean, what I would say, well, to, to like to support you, I mean, like he, he, you, we've done this a number of times on the, on the podcast. Like he, you know, he, he, um, references, uh, Sartre in the mirror stage essay, which, you know, one of the most famous, like he, of course, like, uh, Sartre, he talks about the, um, the, there's always a gaze behind, like he finds that like such a, like a, like a fascinating idea and that helps him articulate his own notion of the gaze. Like right. he, like, like in, and, and which is, uh, I, I think you can bring that into this discussion of like, of the, of, of him being against ego psychology. Cause obviously what, like what, I mean, we talked about this before. So I say obviously, cause we talked about it before, but what Lacan does with, he, he takes the gaze from behind and he puts it in front. Right. Uh, is right. the way that I phrase it before. Like, like in, but what he's trying to show is like how you are implicated in the, in the image always. Right. You're implicated right. in what you're seeing. Like there's not, there's not this point of mastery over, over what you see. And, and that, or like, neutrality, like, right? Like you don't have a neutral yeah, right. look, or, right. Or to, or uh, uh, in a Freud word, or harmony. Harmony, right? Right, or, right. You know, like, so I, I think, anyway, it, it happens different. It's not, it's not a linear trajectory, but I, I think, I think you're right. There's a parallel at least, right? There's certainly yeah. a parallel. But, you know, it's interesting because I think that he, he really has a sense, Lacan does, that the, that there's something about the, something about what's going on that in, in the ego that can be at least early on doesn't he think that that the that the that the symbolic can domesticate in some way or mm-hmm. or tame this barbarism of the ego right like i we didn't talk about this i don't think when we talked about seminar 1 but there's this amazing little passage where he says he says something like each time the subject sees itself in as an ego that 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 from that arises the impossibility of all human coexistence, right? And then he mm. then he says that in the next line he goes and he goes, but thank God we inhabit the world of the symbol. And mm-hmm. so, like that makes you think that his idea is that the ego is just pure aggressiveness, and mm-hmm. that the symbolic comes to tame that aggressive. It's almost Habermasian, right? It's almost like <laughs> there's a kind of like communicative rationality that if we just got in touch with it and stripped away this ego detour in our desire, then we would we would have better, I don't know, like not less barbarous relations, right? Like I, I think there is almost that idea in Seminar 1, so in the early 50s. It's interesting. Well, he, he believes that the um the ego traps us in a in a rivalry right Between- right right that's exactly right that's right that's yeah. right so that's why so it's i think 48 is aggressiveness and psychoanalysis and it, aggressiveness is completely linked to the ego mm-hmm. right it's not aggr- which i think later like by the mid teen seminars and by the late 60s or even mid 60s wouldn't he say well wait a minute those that our violence toward others doesn't come from our ego it comes from something like envy of the other's enjoyment, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just interesting to me how much how much the people that we are friends with that are Lacanian and, you know, all of them, like none of them talk about the ego, really. None of them are, are concerned with even this idea that, aggr- that, that it's out of the ego that aggressivity or ag- aggressiveness forms, right? Like there's, I just don't think you get a lot of that 
discussion, right? Well, let's work that through because I, my, what I thought you were going to say was that the later Lacan would have said that the that that aggression just comes from the drive. Right. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Some, that's what I mean. Like the form of yeah. enjoyment, whatever, drive. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's so, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and, but not from ego, but I think. No. Aggressiveness and so psychoanalysis is all about how it's the, it, it, it's the ego, it, it, that, that, that the ego necessarily develops, he thinks, he argues in that essay, in a paranoid way. Right. Okay. And so. From the he even says from the very origins of the ego there is an aggressive relation to the other, so so that seems to say and, and it which is built on resentment right like the he talks about uh, Saint Augustine with his his brother you know at the breast of the, like that there's even yeah. envy in the right and it's all about like the other has it I don't and so there's this ego he thinks that's an ego rivalry, mm. and and so I. I it's interesting because I think later he would say, no, well, there's an envy of the other's enjoyment. Right. Right. And Not so, with the other. Ha- right. That's the great, um, that's Melanie Klein, right? Right. The, right. Like jealous, jealousy is the object and envy is the object. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, envy is enjoyment. Yeah. Envy is enjoyment. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's just interesting how he's completely, sh- he, he will, in a matter of like 10 years, there's a complete shift away from a focus on, the ego, even as a, I mean, the other thing, and this is why I often say, don't ever read the Acree, because even though I just cited one of them, um, uh, the, because they're so obsessed, at least for the up until like what nineteen sixty, I think the break is with Khan of Exod, mm-hmm. but they're just obsessed with with the critique of ego psychology. And you're like, yeah, I get it already. I mean, yeah, there's a third party. There's the mediation, the symbolic. Okay. But it's just this kind of obsession. And I think the mm-hmm. aggressiveness essay is really about trying to show how the, you follow the path of the ego, you, you help build up the ego, you harmonize the ego, you, harmonize, you help the ego to harmonize the relations of all these. You're actually like fomenting aggressiveness. I, I think that's his idea. Do you think that, so does that stay constant, do you think? Because I, I think it's, it's also fair to say that um, look, and and I think this is more this is more Lacan than than it is Freud. Although maybe it's implicit. I don't know that. Like for Lacan, the ego ends up being uh, nourished by recognition, and so like it, it, it there's there's this leaning on yeah. uh, on the on the symbolic on uh on culture, if you like, to uh to to sustain. So, uh, which again is the irony, right? Like the the yeah. ego is an imaginary agency that's when you feel, when you feel like your ego is built up, you feel like you're not dependent on the other at all. Right. Like that's, that's the irony of what most, you just said. Right. Yeah. That's when you're dependent. the most dependent. Right. Yeah. Right. That's when you're absolutely the, the most dependent. So is that, so it's the, so you say the, the nourishment, the nourishment becomes the, the obscene underside of that is the, is aggressivity. Do you think? No, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. I mean, it's interesting because I wonder if, I mean, I would now treat, I mean, I would now theorize, aggress- I wouldn't theorize aggressivity in terms of the ego, right? Like I would just, I would right. think about it in terms of what you were talking about, about it, envy of enjoyment and drive and mm-hmm. things like that. But I do think that there's, there's something compelling 
about that notion of of linking aggressivity to to ego and to the development of ego. Yeah, Even the, though he the, does the, kind of the, abandon the, it. Sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, no, and just the ner- well, the reason why I was trying to make that that connection is just to to um to I guess I would say this is that, so he says thank God for the symbol, but I think it's uh you can make I guess I I want to make the argument that like it's also in the way that he writes about it is that like the like the symbolic uh the symbolic nourishes the 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 ego and and it's and that and that's like it's in that relationship that, that this is what I'm trying to say is that in that relationship that the aggressivity forms right and so the the symbol doesn't it doesn't help anything you. yeah it doesn't no, rescue it doesn't, right, doesn't rescue. right I just think at, that's at wrong all. I think you're right yeah. that just has to be wrong I mean because you know but but I think he. You're right. You're pointing out that even based on his theory at the time, <laughs> it would be wrong, right? Like, <laughs> because even at the time, he does say that the, that recognition that builds up the ego is is based in the symbolic. So, yeah. how can the right. symbolic come and save us from imaginary right. aggressive, aggressive, aggressiveness? Right. right? It just couldn't, because mm-hmm. it's the source of the problem in the first place. So it's a weird. Yeah. There is this kind of trajectory, I think, that he has some kind of faith in the symbol, and then he loses mm-hmm. it. I mean, the other thing, I think we should talk about the fact that he, maybe Lacan's, for a lot of people, I think, one of his biggest contributions was to see the ego as imaginary, as a bodily ego, right? That And, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. it's an image that we first get from the other, and then we develop for ourselves. So it's 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 not, and I, you know, he has this little, uh, the one of those little, uh, graphs that I think nicely, sh- I mean, they're all complicated, but it nicely yeah. shows that it, it's first the image of the other, and then mm-hmm. it's our own self-image that develops out of that. And I think everybody can, that everybody can relate to that, right? Like you, you saw mm-hmm. someone doing something or holding themselves a certain way or acting a certain way, and then you modeled your own ego on that ego of the other, right? Like I, I did that mm-hmm. so much when I was a kid. I mean, I, it's so <laughs> embarrassing to even, I, I, I explained this as an example to one of my classes and immediately afterward I was like, that is so humiliating. How did you even, how could you even <laughs> say it as an example? Like just choose like some imaginary person and say it was Make that? someone up. <laughs> yeah. My, my friend James, right, you right, know, was, right, yeah, right, whatever. Right, uh, right, right. That's uh well I mean that I mean that ties it of course that ties it back to to mirror stage and this like this misrecognition this distortion really that that becomes central to the um to the to the development of the of the eye right and, for right. him and 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 for 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 ego um and he of course uh he he seizes on on a I think he makes a lot of a split between ego ideal and ideal ego that yeah he is, makes a lot of that split he makes right. a lot of that and that's that's um that's taking something from freud that freud doesn't develop uh, not ne- with nearly the same amount of uh, uh fervor and intensity i know and in fact it's not clear to me that freud is absolutely consistent in his use of those terms in the okay. way that Lacan claims, maybe maybe I'm wrong, yeah. and someone can tell me that I'm wrong. But I think that well, it's one of those things we talk about this all. The time. I mean, not on the show, but we talk about this all the time, where people give the they be, they give the idea to the other person instead of just saying it's their idea. Then like it's it's fine. Like that's fine if that's Lacan's idea. Like I know, I, I, don't, I don't understand yeah. why he of all people. I mean, later on he'll do that. 
right? Yeah. Like after, say, 64, it's kind of all the gloves are off. He's no longer saying this is Freud's thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know why he, yeah, he did that and, and didn't want to say, like, I'm making the distinction between ego ideal as symbolic and mm-hmm. ideal ego as imaginary, because Freud would never have put it in those terms anyway. No, 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 no. So I think no. that's, I think you're right that that's a key, that distinction is key, and, and it's, and the ego ideal is almost not even an ego, right? Because it's this, mm-hmm. it's the symbolic position from which the ego is seen to feel boosted. And so that's really, I, I love the pun on boosted, right? Like it's both boosted <laughs> right. up, but also boosted like stolen, right? Stolen. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that that's really true. Like you get that, that recognition and that's why the politics of mutual recognition is always a farce, right? Because you're mm-hmm. the, the recognition that comes externally is always taking away more than it's giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's really nice. And I mean, I think that, again, this is another, um, how central uh, ego ideal and ideal ego is, is, an, is a, just another example why, like, it's curious for me to um, thank God for the symbol because I don't. Like, it's, I don't it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's just yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, it does show that. Well, so I got a. Um, uh, I received an email from someone about um, the. Uh, so hey, hey Rafa, um, about the charge that um, the culture doesn't enter into analysis that it's too focused on the individual. This is like right. a common critique. Yep. Um, I think that like, and I haven't written my email. Uh, but I'll put it right here in the episode is that like I, I, the way that Lacan emphasizes the symbolic in the, uh, in, in, in the, in the ego and, and how in this like relationship between um, imaginary and, uh, and symbolic in it. Like, I, I don't, I don't even think you, you can't divorce culture from the, the, the subject at all. Right. Especially like, like right. with the way that he's positioning the, the symbolic and the ego, like it's just, um, it's absolutely central now. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what would happen in, in like, I'm not sure what kinds of, um, specific, uh, analytic uh, trends or, or practices are that, that would conform to this notion that, it's, that, um, that analysis to self, I don't know that that seems actually like a charge to level at ego psychology, but I mean, but it's also not like there's, uh, that, that idea is also kind of at the center of, um, isn't it a, a Tupinamba's book? Yeah, Re- yeah, yeah. The desire of psychoanalysis. Yeah, right. Which is that to that it has not that psychoanalysis has nothing to do with the outside and and, and or the or the symbolic or culture, which I I think is not a neither an ac- uh, an accurate claim nor a uh what's the I, I, there's not a lot of there there i think well I mean, right like i it, mean it, that you, you you put it you put it at war with itself i think like, like i think you, you you strip something you strip from and maybe this is just because of how I, no i'm not going to say that i'm not going to qualify it that way like to the as even though he he doesn't read hegel uh very very well um there is all the time i, I think throughout the seminars and even like the the this notion in Lacan of how the um, that he picks up from Freud and group psychology analysis of the ego, like it's, it's there in Freud as well, that the, uh, the group is inflected in the individual, the individual inflected in the group, the collective is part of the particular, the particular already like collective, like, like you, you, 
You can't separate these things. Yeah, which is, Um, again, why it's funny, that thing about the symbol, like, thank God for the symbolic, right? Like, it's just, it's an odd statement because, for one thing, like, I guess, right, that the symbol is also responsible for the problems, too. I mean, it just, it seems seems like that has to be, that has to be true. But I I, I do think that there, there, yeah, I just guess there's this early, Lacan is really proximate to Habermas, I just think. But but then there's mm-hmm. this other aspect of the early Lacan where he sees that there's a, you know, the, he sees the way in which the symbolic actually is, is it's both the source of the ego and that it's in a way undermine, like the, that it, it, it is trumping the ego, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it, so I think there's that double thing going on. The, like the, the graph of desire really is about the way in which the imaginary relation between the ego of the other, the, the ego of the, of the subject and the, and the ego ideal, the way in which that relation is a short circuit mm-hmm. of the path of desire. I find that kind of interest, kind of compelling really, you know, like that, that, so the idea would be that when you engage in an egoistic relation or egoistic behavior, you're really mm-hmm. gaining the satisfaction of the drive by cutting off this. You don't have to experience the otherness, even though it's mm-hmm. operative, nonetheless, right? Like you're. Mm-hmm. That's why you're cutting. You're. It's like you're. Sh- it's because it's funny because later on he'll 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 say that analysis is about creating a short circuit. But Mm -hmm. in the graph of desire, the short circuit is an imaginary short circuit that analysis is trying to block off to make the subject follow that larger path, right? Or longer path. So that's, again, it's, there's just ways in which what he's thinking earlier, it's, it's kind of contradictory. And then it's totally out of touch with what he'll think even 10 years later. It's pretty, it's fascinating too. And to just to, to, um, while what, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo had to say about, uh, ego, I think conforms with, uh, with Freud. I, I think it is at odds with, um, with, with Lacan. And, and what, what's really interesting about it is uh, t- to me, just to, to go back to that is that the, the, um, the, either the repress, the repression of the past and the foreclosure of the future, uh, psychically really only works in the context of a game, I think. Right. Like, I think right. that, like, that idea of, like, being, like, completely singularly present, I think is only, you can only p- position yourself that way symbolically in the structure of something like an NBA game or or NFL game or football, game of football, like, whatever. Like or that, whatever. I mean, any kind of sporting activity, I think. It doesn't have to be I, professional, right? It doesn't have to be professional. Yeah, but it's as a you know, as a, as a subject, as a, as a psychopathology of everyday life, I like that, that is, um, that to do what it's, it's kind of funny to do what Giannis, uh, uh, prescribes on the basketball court. I think that would be the most egoistic way of living that like you're, you're just like present. You don't think of anything you've done before. (laughs) You don't think of anything you're going to do that. You're just like, you're just, I mean, we talked about it before, like the, like the living in the moment thing is very ideological. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not possible. It's, it's begging you not to think of yourself in relation to, uh, past or or future or in any kind of mediated way. Right. Like, like yeah, yeah, that's the big thing, right? Like you're, you're blinding yourself to mediation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is, yeah, which is that? I mean, that's which is repression, 
right? <laughs> that's the, the, yeah. the, in a way. Yeah. I think well, and or, or really even to the like, it's, I, I, would you say that it, it's, it's also like, it's like, it's, it's like trying to take you out of the symbolic. Like you're, like you're. I think that's right. Way, right. 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 Well, well, that, yeah. yeah, that's what, that's, that's what makes it uh, somewhat fascinating and, and even compelling, right? That, that you're trying to refuse all, like even, like you, 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 you hear players say this all, like I tuned out the crowd even, right? Like sure. you're, you're tuning yeah. out all the symbolic mediation to be almost, I mean, I think what he's trying to get at is I'm just a pure drive, a figure of mm. pure drive, which is funny because he drives to the basket all the to time the basket, with yeah, wild right. abandon, right? So, yeah. so I think that's, I think that's, that I think it, it does kind of in that sense, I think coincide with Lacan, right? Like that, that there is this attempt to like avoid ego and if you call thinking about the future or my pride superego to avoid superego and to yeah, become this yeah. figure of pure drive, that that's what Giannis really, Antetokounmpo, really is trying to is trying to effectuate there. And I think he kind of, he sort of does that. You know, I think yeah. that, I think there is a way that he's almost a figure of pure drive, which is why he has trouble making free throws, right? Because they require something else. He did overcome that in the finals. He right? did. The, he did heroically. Like heroically. Twenty-one is yeah, incredible. Yeah. 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 Um, but that's but that's interesting because the free throw line. I I think just and I'm sorry for people who don't watch basketball who are listening to this. But the free throw line is I, I think that's the hardest to to not think about the past. That's right. Not that's, right. The, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because there's yeah. nothing. Yeah. You're not moving. There's no activity. Yep. And 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 that's when the big other makes itself most loudly present right the fans are mm-hmm. yelling like miss it they're putting up these signs behind the backboard to say you're terrible and whatever right so so yeah the like the, it's famously really, counting down you counting down like you've, do you've gone too long right too long right, right. Yep, yeah right so all the all those factors of mediation are, are over present and so it's harder to to allow a drive to come out in that situation i think you know it's interesting so so but I do think that, the, so I think that statement really, it, it, it's kind of nice in the way that it has this Lacanian, even Lacanian resonance. And, and I, I want I to turn just quickly to something that Rick Boothby says in Freud is Philosopher about this, sure. about, because it, it, I think, nicely talks about the, uh, that what, the, what will end up being Lacan's position on the ego. I don't think it's the position from, from what we just talked about or in seminar one, but so he says for Lacan, the disintegrating force of the death drive is aimed Mm -hmm. not at the integrity of the biological organism as it was for Freud, but rather at the imaginary coherence of the ego. Now I just kind of love that statement that, that it's, it's trying to say that the point of what death drive is trying to destroy is our ego. And if you think of like, all our self-destructive acts that that we say we afterwards are like, oh, that was really death drivey of me. I mean, I don't know. If you're, maybe you don't have those conversations, but no, I'd, I say that about myself. But I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I think that's probably a peculiar thing to say. Yeah, right. It's probably not a very common statement. But yeah. I, I say it in class all the time. Like I'll say that was a really death drivey thing of me to to do. Or, or, or Hillary and I say to each other all the time. So, but but I think what. There all aren't, isn't Rick right? Like there are always incidents where we take a chunk out of our own ego. Like it's this, mm-hmm. it's destruction of the, that death drive is at odds with ego because egos, I think it's like this 
this big barrier, right? It's this big mm-hmm. barrier. It's because it's, and I think this is tied to the Antetokounmpo statement. It's a, it's static, right? It's stuck there. Mm-hmm. And it's like a thing that you have to try to chip away at and in order to allow, and that's what drive is, is this chipping away at, at ego to allow oneself to follow one's drive or one's desire, maybe. Would you say, as I want to try to put this in a sentence, yeah. uh, would you say that, um, so ego, we, we said this in the, in the, in the previous episode that, um, a, 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 com- a, a, a common way, like a, um, like an introduction to psychoanalysis and like a literary theory course way of understanding the ego is this, um, point of, of, uh, of, of, of mediation between the, the, the ego, sorry, between the superego and the id. Right. It's trying to, and right. it's it's like, as Derek Small says, in uh, uh, well, uh, this is Spinal Tap, the uh, the the he's you know the uh, David Saint Hubbins is like the, the you know and 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 Nigel Tufnell they're like fire and ice and you know he finds himself more like lukewarm water. So the ego is like the the lukewarm, lukewarm water. water, right? Um, but okay, so that, but actually, and and for and Freud is trying to. Freud gets it, tries to get at this, and then Lacan makes it even, even uh, bigger. Is that like where the ego leads one? Uh, I don't know if I necessarily want to say astray because it puts a value judgment on. But like the the ego has a tendency to avoid mediation entirely. Is not this mediating tool. It right. is right. like it it wants to eliminate the idea that it's like mediating anything at all. And, uh, what psychoanalysis tries to do. And, you know, you, you could see it in like that, that line, that really nice line from, uh, a problem in the path of psychoanalysis, which is like, you know, the ego is not master in its own house. Right. Uh, which is like, again, Freud, like denying the, this, this, uh, role of, of ego as conscious mediator as being subjected to something that is not, uh, is, is not in control over. Right. Um, and with, uh, Lacan focusing on, uh, you know, the symbolic and the symbolics role in, uh, what have we, what have we gotten to? Like, you know, he, 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 first he has it as this like refuge for the ego, but then it's like actually that, which, you know, if the ego is nourished by, uh, recognition, then it's like this very recognition that produces, uh, aggressiveness to others to, to, to right, self. which is what so, the ego, which the symbolic supposed to be solving, right? <laughs> which is right, the, that's right. the paradox of Lacan's position. Okay, so I want to try to put that in the put this in a single sentence, right? Okay, Seven words or fewer. This is always okay. my goal. Okay, okay, and I don't know if I'm because this is off the top of the head, so I'm not okay. sure if yeah. I'm going to be able to get there. But the um, uh, the and I want to try not to be tricky about it, but like the uh, the ego. As, uh, the ego, okay, the ego's, man, I don't want to be tricky, but what's coming to my head is the ego's own mediating role needs to be mediated. Right. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. That, that, that Lacan's position, Mm -hmm. and I think it, it it kind of should be Freud's position, right? (laughs) That, 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 that the, not only should it be mediated, but that it already is mediated in ways that it can't 
grasp, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a fun, the, the problem with ego for Lacan is that there's this fundamental blindness to it. I think one of the real innovative things that he does is to introduce this distinction. Remember, we we started with Freud that there really isn't a distinction between I and ego, despite mm-hmm. Strachey's translation of Das Ich. But but for Lacan, there clearly is. There's le sujet, the subject, or le je, the the I, and then there's le moi. So he he doesn't like you can write the word ego in in French, right? But he calls the ego le moi, the me. So isn't mm-hmm. that fascinating that the the subjective form of subject, the I, is for Lacan equal. That is the subject, but the me the accusative or the objective form is mm-hmm. the ego. So it is, it's, it's almost like he's saying that the ego is fundamentally acted upon, mm-hmm. whereas the I or the subject is acting, right? It's, mm-hmm. And it is linked with the unconscious because the I is the speaking subject, right? It's the speak, it's the I that is, that speaks, not that is spoken. The, the, the I that is spoken is linked to the lemoi, the the ego. So I think that that I think that really that split that he makes that didn't exist really in Freud mm-hmm. is one of the main. I mean that allows him to mount the challenge to ego psychology because I think if you don't have that split, what kind of challenge can you mount to ego psychology? Right. Right, right, right. right. Like you, you, would, you would just be, it would just be a moral one. It's like you would just be saying like, oh, they try to make it about perfection, and Freud's emphasis on the drive is is like morally uh, objectionable to them. So they, but right. then you're not making a a structural or like, theoretical, philosophical, right, uh, or right, theoretical, Philos- uh, philosophical, yep. right, 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 mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. So I think he needed to do that in order to make this critique, and I, I think it is true that it it's. I mean, I, 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 I see the link to Sartre, but I, I think it also is true that it's Saussure and, and Levi-Strauss who really allow him to see the symbolic mediation where out of which one gets subjectivity, right? So that, mm. although it's interesting that for them, there's no subject, right? For, I mean, <laughs> like Levi-Strauss creates a structure without famously, famously without a subject. So that's real... I mean, there's a way that Lacan is marrying Sartre and Levi-Strauss and creating this psychoanalysis that has a, a that has that is capable of countering ego psychology from a firm theoretical base. Mm. That's super interesting. I I want to I want to pull us back to something sure. that you were talking about yep. because one of the things that we said at the at the outset of this is that we'd be um, kind of tracking the role of drive. Yeah, in each of these registers, because it it would be, it'd be really nice uh, to, it'd be really nice to to just say like, oh well, um, superego is, uh, like w- one of like Lacan's registers. Ego is another. Like 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 I mean, ego like I think probably graphs pretty well onto imaginary. But then there's this. But that what happens if you do that is you ignore the fundamental role of the split that I mean, like, like that Lacan even puts in the, you know, position of, uh, of enunciation and the position of enunciated content. Like he's always trying to, you know, l- locate that split in the, right. in the ego that, that is that he finds, he finds explicit in, in Freud, but I think, I, like, I think we would want to say is, is implicit much more so. Um, so the, uh, 
something that, that, that we were talking about is that like the, the ego wants to turn drive into conscious will. Do you think that's, that's, fair? I think that's a great point. That's really well put. Yeah. I think okay. that's because drive as that statement from Rick suggests is the death of ego. So it has okay. to try to say that, and I think you're right to link conscious willing to dominance of the ego. Right, like that's mm. like mm-hmm. that. That is really true. So it it tries to translate drive, which is unconscious, into conscious will, and tries to in that way become the master of its own house. Right, like that's yeah, right, that's what right. it's trying to do. It's trying to not to 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 counter what Freud says is the problem that the ego confronts. That it's not the master in its own house, but that that that's what it that 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 by doing that by by creating a conscious will out of that unconscious drive that you do get the sense of mastery. I think that's important, like the distinction between mastery and sense of mastery. I think ego is responsible Mm. for the sense of mastery without any actual mastery attached to it. I mean, that's maybe the, you could even argue that's one of the main problems with any attempt to build up the ego. Like you're, you're building up the person's sense of mastery but you aren't actually building up their mastery. It reminds me of, I mean, I was I was kind of a kid when this started, although I just missed it, unfortunately, because I would have appreciated the, the notion of the participation trophy in children's <laughs> sports. You know, like I was yeah, yeah, I sure. was of the generation where if you sucked, you just you got to sit on the bench and you never got to play. So my early experience with all sports was just sucking and just and being on the bench and just feeling like totally humiliated. So I would have appreciated this, like, everybody gets to play the same amount, you know, we don't care mm-hmm. about the winner. So that would have been nice. But that that idea is, I think, an investment in building up the ego of the kids and giving mm-hmm. them a sense of mastery. But the the price of it is, of course, that they don't get any actual mastery because you get to play regardless of how much mastery you have in the sport or whatever the activity is, and then then you, there's no you lose the incentive to develop the mastery, right? Well, so I well, think Todd, is, isn't the the insidiousness isn't what this does is that like you what you think these coaches are doing are if they're even thinking at this level is that they think like oh we're building up the ego as in building up confidence, right? Right. But right. actually, what they're doing is they are enlarging the superego and the impossibility of of like you know enjoying enough. Right. right. Like, right. like you can't, right. you can't, but in, in, in this case we would, we'd swap, I think we, you'd swap enjoyment for, for mastery, but and it ends up being the same thing, right? Is that like, you cannot master enough to satisfy the superego. And so. That's right. That's right. So you're, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's fascinating the way in which, and I think the more discrepancy develops between a sense of mastery and one's actual mastery, the more that logic of superego that you're talking about gets activated. Mm-hmm. Right. Be- precisely yeah. because just as you say, we talked last time about the connection between superego and drive, just as you say, this attempt to translate drive into conscious willing, the more you have a sense of mastery, but lack of ma- actual mastery, the more you're feeling that you're failing to make that, shift of drive into conscious will right and then and the yeah. more the more you get a sense of failure the more you're activating superego in, in yeah. that sense yeah and it's yeah. and it's avoiding the imminent nature of the drive itself the the undermining the like the 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 insistence of 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 failure right. really 
right? Uh, and and you're avoiding taking up a position to that, you know, right. you're, you're just trying to make it so that it doesn't happen, that that everything is successful or you feel successful in everything, no matter how the the result may turn out. But really, it's the this you know the it's it's not a it's not a sense of mastery that needs building up, but as a sense of uh, a failure. And, and, and one's like position taken up to, to that. Right. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's what's and not that, permitted under in capitalist society, right? Like a, a, yeah. a, a sense of like to, to be able to enjoy the sense of failure. And that's the, that's the, that's the crux of it, right? Like that's it, we're, in, we're in academia. Like there's, um, this is, this would be much more. So there are scientific journals. Uh, they're not, I, I, I've, I remember the last time I was reading this was like several years ago and like the journals don't like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure the, the names of ones that still exist, but like the, the, um, in, in STEM, there used to be a number of different journals where you could submit failed research. <laughs> and the reason being to show what went wrong. Yeah. So it's like to help other people in the field, but it's like the, you know, you, it ends up in this thing is like, so is the, like, is the university going to continue to promote and reward someone whose research like fails? Right. And it's like, you should like, because that, that, that the benefit of that to other people is, would is just incredible. Like right. to, to, to like show people like, you know, what went wrong and why, right. and to not, uh, to, to dissuade, you know, like category errors in the future. Yeah. But like, so that, like that should be like that, that would be the, like, at least in our field, that would, that would be the, like the, 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 the shift is to not, not the, not show like successful theoretical intervention, but like, the you know, failed one. I, yeah. the failed one. Yeah. Like I wanted to, I wanted to apply, you know, blank to blank, but it doesn't work. Right. And I don't want to show right. you why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just think no one, would be able to try to publish that, you know, yeah, like, like yeah. I couldn't imagine I have probably 30 failed articles on my yeah. computer, you know, mm-hmm. and that just have gotten rejected. In addition to the ones done. you've already published, waka waka. <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, we should almost leave it with that. That was you want to leave? Yeah. <laughs> That's the last word. That's the last word. Uh, the, the lesson, the lesson I have a nice little yeah. lesson though. My okay. lesson is actually like um associate with the enemy, know the enemy, read Anna Freud's ego and the mechanisms of defense. It's not as bad as you will think it is. And it's worth it's worth knowing what the position is, I think. Failed research? That's fa- it's a good example. Very good, Ryan. Nice <laughs> nice quilting point. <laughs> awesome. Over and out. Over and out, Todd. 